Anyway, it's great to see you this morning. My name's Simon, one of the leaders here. Joe, you know, it's wonderful when you stand up to preach and you realize that actually most of your message has already been shared during the morning meeting. You think, that's great, because I can just go and sit down. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to go and sit down. Uh, actually, it's great because it makes you feel like God is really wanting to speak to us as a church this morning. He's really wanting to hone in something this morning. Because uh, the title of my message this morning is Disciples of Jesus are Devoted to his church. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. But I just wonder, what comes to your mind when I say the word devoted? Just have a think for a moment. What comes to mind when I say devoted? What was that? Greece. <laughs> okay. Totally devoted to you. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. I wasn't expecting that one, but uh, uh, yeah. I was expecting more something along the lines of a, uh, you know, loving wife now nursing her aged husband or a dad watching his son in the cold play football, even though he knows his son's not very good and is not really going to go anywhere. A dog who never leaves his master's side. Or even Paul Endersby here in his love and devotion to Brighton Football Club. That, you know, the club that's going, well, who knows? But uh, <laughs> only teasing you, Paul. Yeah. But devoted means to be loving and loyal to something or to someone. You can be given over to that person or that thing. That's obviously, as Christians... As disciples of Jesus, we are called to be given over fully to him, loving him with our whole heart, completely loyal to him. And to use a line from Greece, totally devoted to Jesus, not to Sandy or whatever it is. I can't remember. But uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, as, as we've uh, already seen in this series that to follow Jesus, you first have to stop leading your own life. You have to surrender your own life to him. He then governs your life. He dictates your priorities, what you do and what you don't do. He calls the shots, if you like. That's total devotion to Jesus. He becomes your Lord, your master, and you follow him. You know, some people wrongly say, oh, the church, funny enough, I noticed on a number, I noticed on a number of those notices that a lot of them, you know, sort of had money linked to them. I'll oh, give to this and give to that. And some people say, oh, the church is just after your money. That's all Jesus wants. My friends, that's not true. That's, that's, that's completely not true because Jesus wants everything from you. Not just your money. He wants everything. He wants your whole life to be surrendered to him. That's what he demands, in fact. That's what total devotion looks like. That's what he deserves anyway. He gave you everything, and he gave himself everything in order to save you. Anything that you would cling on to anyway is just a dead weight pulling you down into the filth of this world. It's just a mouldy bit of fruit spoiling the rich eternal rewards that could be yours if you let go of the lesser temporary things that perish to lay hold of the infinitely greater eternal rewards that God has for you. 
is you are totally devoted to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen? It's true. Are you here this morning, people, saying, here I am, Lord, all that I have, all that I am, everything I surrender to you, my time, my energy, my money, my mind, my, my life, I lay at your feet. They're yours. Do with them as you want. You see, Jesus, the Son of God, chose to come into this filthy world that we live in, full of sin. He lived that perfect life. He died on the cross, that sacrificial death, taking on himself the punishment for the things that you and I have done that are wrong, that offend God and get us under his judgment. And then three days later, he rose again victorious from the grave because death had no hold on him. And as a sign to all who put their faith in him, that they too will rise again to be with him. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you get a new start. You get a fresh start in life. You're born again, the Bible says. You're forgiven. You're accepted. You're brought into God's family. And then by his in... Amen. Good. Someone agrees to me there. Good. Uh, and by his indwelling spirit within you that he places in you, he wants to shine his light out through you to the world around us. Just like we can see the sun shining out there now. It's no longer raining and windy uh, at the moment, uh, at least. God wants to shine out through you to the world around us. It says in Ephesians 3, verse 10, Now through the church that the manifold wisdom of God is being displayed. Christ loves his church. And he gave himself for her. And the truth is, he calls us as disciples of Jesus. If you're devoted to Jesus, you're called to be devoted to his church as well. It's actually a fruit of, of somebody who truly believes. It's a sign of salvation in your life that you are devoted to the church. The Apostle John writes this should appear on the screen behind me. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, when the Bible talks about, you know, brother, it's talking about, you know, Jesus says, who are my brothers and sisters? It's these here with me. It's his, uh, it's his uh, followers. Hates his brother, he is a liar. For he whom does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment, we have from Jesus. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Brother and sister in Christ he's referring to there. Jesus said, a new command I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. When you love, when you, if you have love for one another. And again, disciples there, it's the embryonic church that is beginning, that he's referring to. And then finally, the final scripture that I really want to base, I suppose, my message on to you this morning. The Apostle Paul writes this. I endure everything for the sake of the elect, those that God has chosen. If you're a Christian here this morning, you have that wonderful joy of knowing that not only did you choose God, but actually, originally, he chose you in eternity past. That 
they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Do these things, my friends, describe how you feel about the church? You may never have thought of it like that before. You see, out of devotion to Jesus, we are called to be devoted to the church. Being devoted to the church is a fruit of truly loving Jesus. And, you know, in some sense, it's easy to say, oh, yes, I love the church out there. And just to, just to clarify for those of you who might be a bit confused, the church is the people of God. It's not a building. It's not anything like that. It's the people of God who have surrendered their life to Christ. The church just literally means in, in, the, uh, in the Greek, a gathering of people. So uh, uh, it's easy sometimes to say, yes, I love the church out there generally. I love the, love the concept of the church. I love the church. Even to some extent, I love I, I, some nostalgic view of the church in the past. But the teaching and example in Scripture is that this is rooted in the reality of your current local church that God has called you to be part of. That's how, where we're called to show our love. So for most of you here, that's this place, that's us, as we gather here together. There's the people around you in this room. How you love the people in this room is actually a sign of how much you love God, according to 1 John. How you show love to people in this room is actually a sign of how much you want your witness, your love for Jesus, to shine out to the world around us, according to what Jesus says. And let's remember this. This scripture should come up behind me as well. That love isn't just a feeling. We live in a society where you know, love's, love's a feeling. People fall in love, people fall out of love. Love is not just a feeling. The Bible says love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. You know, you only have to be patient with things that you find annoying, that, that irritate you. You know, it's easy to be kind to people that are nice to you. It's harder to be kind to those people that you find you know, slightly more challenging, shall we say. Just have a look at that passage a moment. Just, just read it through and just allow God to speak to you afresh. Does that describe how you not only feel, but how you behave towards the church, towards this church, the people in this room? How you show love to one another is actually a great part of your worship to God. So just before him, take a moment just to let the Spirit challenge you afresh, because none of us do this perfectly. Let him challenge you. Let him encourage you where you're getting things right. Let him cause you to, to think, oh, I need to repent of that. I need, to, I need fresh help 
in that area, I'm getting a bit grumpy or I'm getting a bit impatient or, or whatever. Let him challenge you afresh. And just as you're looking at those words, let me just read this excellent vision that uh, Ros had on the 27th of January. She's written it down, uh, and you can have a copy of this. Maybe we'll put it in the uh, uh, weekly email on on Monday, because I'm just going to read part of it, not all of it. But you see, there's a really clear vision she had as she got up one morning. It said this, a man was searching through rubbish and he was picking out broken pieces of glass. He walked along, looking around, and picked up broken glass from the gutter and the sides of the path. There was a lot of broken glass. He took it home, and he washed each piece clean. He sanded off the sharded edges and laid them on a table. He took a bowl and it had a ready liquid glassy resin and he added a white substance to form a kind of glue. He then applied it to the side of one of the pieces of glass. Remember, she's she's seeing this. Uh, And with another piece, fused it together. And he kept adding pieces until they had all been used. At last, as, as, as the last piece went into place, the vase was complete. He felt round the vase and it was smooth, no rough edges. Each piece fitted perfectly. He then filled the vase with water and it was watertight and strong. He emptied out the water and opened the door to another room. There was no windows and the room was dark except from the light coming from the open door. But I could see a pedestal in the middle of the room. Otherwise, it was completely empty. The man then set the vase upon the pedestal. He took a lit candle and placed it within the vase. Immediately, the vase and the room were transformed. All the light filled the vase and shone through each colored piece of glass, making beautiful colors all around the room. The man stood back and thought about what he had done, and the man was pleased with his work. Do you know that's a picture of what God is not only doing in your life individually with the broken pieces of your life, trying to clean them and sand them down and put them together to make something beautiful. It's a picture of the church being put together and the Holy Spirit shining through us. Actually, in that passage in Ephesians I quoted for, the manifold, it could be translated the multicolored wisdom of God shining out. It's a picture of us as a church, how God wants to shine out through his church into the world around, to transform the world around us. So just let the Holy Spirit, as you continue to reflect on that word and those, uh, passage of scripture up there, just challenge you afresh. Do you know the primary person that you are responsible for in this room and that you can change in this room is yourself? The Holy Spirit is wanting to clean you afresh. He's wanting to rub off, to sand off those rough edges that cut people with our, you know, sort of a bad characteristics that each of us do have that the Holy Spirit is trying to change. So allow him to do that this morning. Holy Spirit, I just pray, Father, just meet with each one of us. Lord, We're yours, Lord. Thank you that you are so perfect, Lord. Thank you that you want to make us 
more like Jesus. And I just pray for each one of us, Lord God, that we would allow you to do your work in us. In Jesus' name. Oswald Sanders, in his book, Spiritual Maturity, he says this, the church can only give light, sorry, the church can give light only through the continual supply and enabling of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us, to shape us, to shine through us, to shine Jesus out through us to the world around us. Because it's through his church is the primary way that God has chosen to shine his light to the world around us. But it's not without its difficulties. It's not without pressures and tension that rises amongst us as individuals together. That's why Paul writes about enduring all things for the sake of the elect. It's not just outside pressure coming in on it, it's inside pressure going out, which is interesting, that thing about the water, wasn't it? That it, it held together, it was tight together. The pressure was from within in that picture, in that vision. We're called to endure. Endure literally means to be able to stand firm under a load, under pressure. It implies that we're standing despite difficulty, in spite of personal cost to yourself and, and to me. Jesus, it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Do you know you have to endure much for Jesus' sake? He made it clear. He didn't, hasn't hidden that from us. He says, choosing him, you are going to face trouble. You'll face teasing at school. You'll face uh, ha- having to lay down your rights and desires. Some of the things that you want to do, you think, no, actually, I know for Jesus I shouldn't go down that path. You have to trust it, God with that timing of uh, the job or that partner that you're longing for, or that healing that you just want God to break in and, and, and to give you. You have to endure sometimes being the odd one out in your family, which is difficult. You have to endure being overlooked in your workplace because of your faith. And part of enduring for us together as the church is enduring some of the difficulties that occur as we strive together for unity so that we can witness as one. So it's very easy to say, oh yeah, I'm doing well uh, as a Christian when you're just, you know, you're not actually attending a local church, you're just watching God TV or, you know, sort of Bethel TV. None of these things are bad, by the way. I'm just saying if you, uh, you're only uh, uh, doing that and, you're, uh, and you're, you're not rubbing with other people because those people are so sinful, they're so selfish, they're so annoying to me. Yet actually, if you choose to do that, you are being sinful and you are being selfish because not only are you being disobedient to Jesus commands about gathering together and about loving one another, you're not using the gifts that God has given you to serve his people and to serve the world around you as well. And actually, you're also not realizing that one of the ways that God has ordained that he produces Christ-like maturity in you and in me is through you and through me, us rubbing shoulders together. Even other people's sin, if you remain soft-hearted to God, 
God can use it to produce Christ-like character in your life, even if you're negatively affected by that. I can remember looking back on my life when I, um, it's quite a painful period where there was a, a leader in a church who wasn't treating me and Anna uh, particularly well at all, in fact. And I can see how God used that as we tried to remain soft-hearted and good-hearted in it to strip back my pride and to strip back arrogance. The Lord was allowing it to shape me as a younger man. Still like to think I'm a young man, but my kids remind me I'm I'm not. Uh, so uh, yeah, anyway, no discipline is pleasant at the time. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 12. But if we trust God in it, He will produce a fruit of righteousness in your life. Oswald Sanders says, "What we are is much more important than the amount we do." Some of you need to hear that. This is. This is true. It's what the Bible teaches. It's what God would say to you. What we are is much more important than the amount we do. God is supremely concerned with the development of Christ-like character. He purposes that every Christian should be conformed to the image of his son. Hallelujah. That's what God is wanting to do in you and me. And it's on this area that I just want to hone in now of personal holiness, if you like. My message, as I've said, is out of devotion to Jesus, his disciples are devoted to his church. Being devoted to the church is the fruit of loving Jesus. Or put simply, disciples of Jesus are devoted to his church. That's my message. But you see, if you're devoted to the church, if you're loving the church, and wanting to serve Jesus, then you realize that your weaknesses and your areas that you don't deal with actually negatively impact the church of Jesus Christ. And that's true for all of us. And there's a main person, as I said already, that you're responsible for, that you can change, is yourself. Then you becoming more like Jesus makes this a better place. And again, it's just as true for me as well. I don't think, as I point to you, there's three or six, if I do it that way, fingers pointing uh, back at, at me as well. To be devoted to the church means to take seriously that call to become more Christ-like. Before we look at a speck in someone else's eye, let's look at the logs in our own eye, the Lord Jesus taught us. A guy called Randy Reese, can't help his name, in, a, in an excellent book called Deep Mentoring. He could have helped that, but don't be put off by the title. It's an excellent book. He says this. There was an understanding among early church fathers that true knowledge in life is always a double knowledge. That is to say, knowledge of God and knowledge of ourselves are inextricably linked together in the life of faithfulness to God. Godly character is foundational to godly service. God is more concerned with our identity and character than with our achievement and our productivity. My friends, he's wanting to work on our character together as a church. So have a sober assessment of yourself as well. Because if you don't, then you're going to be blind to areas that the Holy Spirit is wanting to work on you. You see, it's interesting what 
Rob brought earlier. See, I'd love, I'd love to see more healings. I'd love to see more signs and wonders amongst us. I'd love to see more salvation, more breakthrough. But as beautiful as those things are, my friends, they're nothing compared to the beauty of Christ in you, which is the hope of glory, of the Holy Spirit producing Christ-likeness in you. That is amazing. That is an amazing miracle in itself. Oh, the beauty of Jesus, my friends. Have you seen him afresh? His perfect character, his consistent, loving, and kind nature. That is what the Holy Spirit is wanting to produce in you and produce in me. Filthy sinners though we were, and even as saints now, we still struggle with sin on a daily basis. But if we allow the Holy Spirit, he will want to produce Christ-likeness in you. That's what he has done. That's what he is doing. And that's what he will continue to do in each one of us until the day we die. My friends, it's an amazing privilege to be transformed by the Spirit into being more like Jesus. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. And my friends, that's why as a church we're also at this time emphasizing the discipleship course that you're beginning to do in your life groups as, as well. You know, Mark Dever in his book, Discipling, says, the Bible teaches that the local church is the natural environment for discipling. Now, to make it clear, that actually discipling happens partly through Sundays as we gather together. You hear the preach word of God. We enjoy God's presence together. That shapes us as we do life groups together in those sort of um, groups of sort of uh, 10, 10 to 15 people. We do Christian life together and we, uh, that helps disciple us. Your own quiet time where you spend time praying, reading the Bible and following the Spirit's lead in your life. That's all part of discipleship as well, what God is looking to do with you. But these smaller discipleship groups that we're making room for in our program as a church is to help you become more like Jesus at a deeper level, whatever stage of faith you are at. You see, in these groups, we will challenge each other to work on our character to produce more Christ-likeness in you and in me. As you're real with some people in those smaller groups where you can be more real with your struggles, with your frustrations, actually you get a, a sober assessment of yourself, a true knowledge, if you like, of yourself because you realise, actually, oh, I struggle in this area. This person doesn't. Maybe I'm not as good as I thought I am. So the Holy Spirit, the point of that is not so you feel bad, but so the Holy Spirit can produce greater Christ-likeness in you. And the groups don't just focus on what you know, as important as that is, because, you know, uh, our minds are being renewed in knowledge. But as important as that is, that knowledge needs to work out into your life, into how you are living daily. These groups will help develop and encourage people in the gifts that God has given them, because they make space for that. They will spur you to serve Jesus more and to build his church whilst working 
on those areas that you struggle with. That's, that's why we're making space for it, guys, because we want to, all of us to grow. I want to grow more like Jesus, and God wants you to grow more like Jesus. It also helps us, and we have to always have this in the back of our mind, it also helps us as a church to be in a better place to continue to grow even if persecution is to be stepped up in this country, as it may well do. We've had freedom for a long time in this land, but actually it's not always guaranteed. And the church needs to be in a place where it's not always so Sunday dependent, if you like, uh, on, a, on a big gathering like this. That's why disciple, uh, discipleship movements are the fastest growing movements around the world, because they grow particularly in countries even where there's great persecution. My friends, the Holy Spirit is trying to produce the beauty of Christ-like maturity in you. And if you want a summary of what that looks like, then I read uh, a chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7, that, that describes what Christ is like. Uh, Galatians 5, 22 to 24, you see the fruit of the Spirit, and Christ perfectly had the fruit of the Spirit. And then Luke 10, verse 27, Christ fully fulfilled the great commandment that, was, that, is, that we're all required to do. But disciples of Jesus are looking to become more like Christ. They desire to make disciples who in turn make more disciples who grow into maturity in Christ. So the kingdom of God is always growing. And the God-ordained place for discipleship to happen is, is within the local church. Disciples of Jesus are devoted to the church, just as Jesus is devoted to his church. And if you love Jesus and are devoted to him, then you will be devoted to his church. It's his body anyway. That's what he describes us as, his body. God is speaking to us afresh this morning, my friends. It's no coincidence I didn't organize those prayers or, or the things that Rob was stirring with. This morning, God is speaking to us because he wants to produce that Christ-like maturity in us so that he can shine his light, as Ros's word um, was, shine his light out through us to the world around us and transform us. The more you are like Jesus, the more God can use you for good. Amen? Amen. Can I invite the band to come back up, the worship team? If you are here this morning... And you don't know Jesus, or if you're watching online and you don't know Jesus, and as I was speaking earlier about surrendering to him, you're thinking, yeah, actually, I know I need to do that. I want to be washed clean by him. I want to, be, uh, I want to be, have some of my rough edges sanded down. I want to be adopted into his family. Then just pray this prayer of surrender along with me. Just pray it in your heart. God knows what you're thinking. Heavenly Father, thank you that you loved me enough to send Jesus to die for me on the cross. Please forgive me of all the things that I have done that offend you, that hurt other people. I surrender my life to you. Holy Spirit, please come and make your home 
in me and help me to live the rest of my life for you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that and you're in the room, please come and speak to me. I'd love to give you uh, this uh, leaflet here and talk to you about some of the next steps that God has for you. If you're watching online, please contact the office. We would love to get in touch with you and help you on your journey of faith. But let's, let me just pray for us all now. Do you want to stand and just, just reach out? Your, if you feel comfortable, just reach out your hands before God. God is here because he wants to meet with you. He loves you. He's a good, good father. He has the best for you in this life and beyond. As I said, those things that you try to cling to, those things that you allow yourself to get distracted with, they're just moldy bits of fruit and ruining the eternal rewards that could be yours. If you let go of them, if you throw them out and cling onto Jesus. So just do that now. I believe the Spirit is challenging some people specifically. So you know you've got this area. You know you've got this that you're clinging on to. God says, let go of it. Trust me. Let go of it. I have the best for you. Holy Spirit, thank you that you love us. Thank you, Lord, as we sang, we love you and worship and adore you, Lord God, Father. Thank you that you love us. Lord, you adore us. We're the apple of your eye for some reason, Lord God. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would just meet with each person in this room afresh. Just give them a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. Right now, Lord, just come and meet with each person, Lord God. May they know your love, Lord God. May, may they know your, your healing power, Lord God. Even as they're not looking for it, Lord, they're looking to meet with you. Just come and touch their body, Lord, because you love them, Lord God. Father God, just move, I pray, Lord God. Father, help us to be more like you. Help us to love you more and to love your people more, Lord God. Help us to be your disciples who love one another. As you have loved us, Lord, Lord, you greater love is no one than this, than he who would lay down his life for his friends, Lord God. You laid down your life for us, Lord. May we lay our lives down in service of you and of your people. May we be prepared to endure all things, for the sake of your people and your gospel shining out through us, Lord God, to the world around us, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and have your way amongst us, I pray. Lord God, move amongst us. As we continue in worship, just receive from God. I'm not going to call people forward, actually, at the moment. I just feel God wants to do something with you where you are. You're more important than what you do to God. He saved you. You're more important. And he can meet with you where you are. So if there's areas you want him to meet with you in, just say it to him as you're you're worshipping. God's going to come and meet with people where they're standing, even now. No hype, nothing else going on. God is going to come and meet with you. Hallelujah.